Welcome to 52 Weeks in the Word. I'm your host, Trillia Nubo, and I'm grateful to have Dr. Carmen Imes on the podcast today. Carmen is an Old Testament professor at Biola University and a Torah scholar. I'm thrilled to talk about our topic today, Deuteronomy. I imagine that people get lost in the book. It's really an interesting and fascinating book. It's the final book of the Pentateuch or the Torah and uh, contains Moses' last three sermons in two prophetic poems about Israel's future. Now, she's the expert. This is just what I have gained from my brief knowledge and reading, and I, I absolutely do um, love engaging this, this text. However, processing and thinking about this book, I, I have a lot of questions, and one of the things that you have brought up is that there's a lot of repetition. And so I would like to dive into what that means and why there, it's there in this book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great question. So um, as people are reading through the Torah or through the Old Testament, if somebody's doing a Bible read through and they get to the book of Deuteronomy, first of all, congratulations for getting past Leviticus and making it all the way to Deuteronomy. Some people throw in the towel a little too soon and then they don't get to Deuteronomy. But then you get to Deuteronomy and it feels like, wait, hasn't Moses said all this before? Like, why is it here again? Um, and that can be really kind of confusing, especially when we as readers kind of flatten the whole Bible as if it all was written in one sitting. Uh, and then it's like, why would it need to be said again? So I think it's really important um, to understand Deuteronomy to just start with how the book presents itself. So at the very beginning of the book, um, and I'm reading from the NIV, it says, these are the words Moses spoke to all Israel in the wilderness east of the Jordan that is in the Arabah. So we right off the bat, we're hearing that Moses is the one speaking. Is he's not writing, he's speaking. So as you already said, it's a sermon, and he's speaking that the, these words to all Israel while they're in the wilderness, so they're not in the promised land yet, and they're east of the Jordan. And it says in verse 3, in the 40th year, on the first day of the 11th month, Moses proclaimed to the Israelites all that the Lord had commanded concerning them. So we're in the 40th year, the 40th year of what? Well, when the Israelites left Egypt, when God rescued them out from under Pharaoh's oppression, they had a new calendar start. The day they crossed the Sea of Reeds is day one of a new calendar. And so this is 40 years later, which means that the people Moses is talking to were not the ones who came out of Egypt. Because if you've read Numbers, you know that that entire generation died in the wilderness because of their unfaithfulness. They failed to trust that God could bring them into the promised land. And so God says, fine, I won't bring you into the promised land. And that generation died. So this is the next generation getting ready to go in and take hold of the promise that God had given to their parents. And so it feels like repetition to us, but we've got an entirely different audience than what we had in Exodus at Sinai. So that's why there's so much repetition. We have a new generation and Moses is preparing them. Here's everything you need to know to be the people of God, to represent me among the nations as you enter into this place. Okay, so there's so much there that you said that was fascinating. And I know we're talking about Deuteronomy, so I definitely want to talk about Deuteronomy. However, I wrote down, because it's absolutely true, we 
as readers flatten the Bible. I, I, I don't want to move past that because part of 52 Weeks in the Word is that we're reading through the whole whole Bible. It's it's trying to help people read because that's it's something that's difficult. Like you said, hooray if you got to Deuteronomy because Leviticus is difficult. Okay, but whoa, how, <laughs> how do we guard against that? I, I imagine part of it is doing what you just did. Read the beginning, introduction, find out where the time and place actually is. Okay, so I answered part of the question, but what else can we do so that we don't flatten the Bible and to help us understand it and put it in the right context. Yeah, you know, when you and I talked about the Torah, I said we need to bring a whole boatload of curiosity with us. And I think that will really go a long ways to helping us not flatten it. Um, Because if we come with curiosity, we're going to be asking a lot of questions about the text as we read. Why is it this? Why why does the author say it this way and not another way? Why? What is the significance of this particular framing of the event? Um, I, I think we we glaze over when things seem kind of boring. I'll, I'll give one example. We glaze over when we get to a genealogy, a whole list of names. It's like, oh, I don't know these people. It's just a bunch of hard names to pronounce. I'll tell you what, if you if you pull out a blank sheet of paper and try to draw the family tree as you're reading it, all of a sudden the, the genealogy comes to life um, because you begin to see, oh, this isn't actually listing everybody. It's preferring one branch of the family tree. So I wonder if that's a clue as to who wrote or preserved this for us or what they want us to see in it. Um, or the, or there'll be like a bunch of family genealogies kind of plopped side by side and it skips from one to the other. And if you're just sort of skimming, you don't notice that. And so I would just encourage readers to investigate if you read something in Deuteronomy that seems a little different than what you've read before, like, yeah, same story, but is there a different angle here? Then investigate it. Open up the account of the spies in Numbers 13 and 14 next to Deuteronomy's account of the spies going into the land and see how are these the same and how are they different? And, and you'll find that because Moses is preaching to a new generation, he puts a different spin on things in Deuteronomy than he did in, in previous um, tellings of the event. And so I, th- I think we need to pay attention to that and, and be attentive because that's how we learn what the point of telling the story is. Absolutely. Well, I, I just, when you made that statement, it stood out to me. And I think it will help with all of our Bible reading to do that. And just a shout out to genealogies. I am fascinated by them. <laughs> I, so the thought when you mentioned, eh, yes, it's so interesting. And really, I think you learn a lot about the scriptures um, from that. So, okay, we know that repetition is for the next generations. It's a sermon. We understand that. Is there one either story or or scene or something that, so you're reading through Deuteronomy and you have your rest day to get to really pause and dive in. What would you encourage them to pause and dive in? I can give you one uh, one just fun takeaway from the Ten Commandments that you'll notice if you do a comparison between Exodus and Deuteronomy. And I think it illustrates for us some of what Moses is doing in his sermon. Uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 12 through 15, we get the command to keep the Sabbath. 
And if you hold that up next to Exodus 20, where the Sabbath command appears, you'll notice that the command is the same, but the reason for obeying the command has changed. So in Exodus 20, it's you should keep the Sabbath, you know, rest on the seventh day, because when God made the world, he rested on the seventh day. So you should pattern your life after after his. But in Deuteronomy 5, the reason is different. Verse 15 says, this is why you should keep the Sabbath. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that Yahweh your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Well, that's fascinating because as I already said, Moses is addressing the second generation. These people actually weren't slaves in Egypt. So you wonder like, is he having a senior moment? Like, does he forget about all those people who died in the wilderness? And I think, no, the more I, the more I linger on this, the more profound I think it is that Moses feels it's essential to the faith of this generation that they own the Exodus as their story. He wants them to be absolutely clear that God rescued them from slavery, even though they weren't born yet. Um, and And that's why you get the Passover instructions in Exodus so that they can celebrate this feast every year and remember them, they're being set free uh, from oppression under Pharaoh. And so I, I just think this is a beautiful picture of how God invites every generation to interact with him as if they are the Exodus generation. God set all of us free. We were all there and we saw it with our own eyes. Well, gosh, I'm not only moved, I'm also comforted. There's just something comforting about that idea of we're all the exodus set free. Um, and and so I just, that, I love that. And I, I think people will, you need to rewind, <laughs> rewind this episode and jot down more notes and go and do that. That, wh- what a fascinating call. So I'm just going to actually pray that we would walk as people who are free and um, that we would enjoy the grace of God. So Lord, thank you. Gosh, I am am so um, moved just hearing that. I felt like that that was a sermon for my heart. And if it was for mine, I can only imagine how many others just needed to hear that that reminder that ultimately because of Christ, we are now set free and that we can walk um, in the freedom that you have bought for us. And Lord, for and that, that this was generation after generation after generation of this beautiful reminder of what you have done and only you could do, Lord. And so God, I, I thank you for that. And that we too can rest, um, <laughs> rest in you, Lord, rest in your finished work, rest in, um, and, 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 and that we, we don't have to earn our salvation, Lord. It, it's just, there's so many implications of what was just um, said and, and, and the encouragement, Lord. But I feel an eagerness to open your word, Lord, and learn. And God, I, I pray that we would do that, that we would learn more about what your word says about you and about your people and how we can live our lives accordingly based on what um, we learn, Lord, and the freedom that we have in you, Lord, because of what you've done. Um, God, there's just so much. So, Lord, thank you so much for your word. God, thank you that you have um, given it to us and that we can, in many cases, in the case of those who are listening, we're likely able to grab our Bibles off a shelf and read it freely. 
So God, I pray that we would not neglect this good gift, God, but that we would um, dive in because it is a gift. So Lord, we worship you. You delight in us, and we, we, we are so grateful for this opportunity to explore, read, think, pray um, about your word. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. I'm so inspired and encouraged. 